0: Hello there, my name is Mike, and I love Star Wars. On today's episode, special guest Bo Bradbury and I will be taking a deep dive into the final film of the original trilogy, the iconic Star Wars Episode VI, Return of the Jedi. This is I Still Love Star Wars. You must unlearn
1: what you have learn. That's how we're going to win, not fighting what we hate. Save them what we love. You're my only hope. This is where the fun begins.
2: Your focus determines your reality. Don't
1: give in to hate.
2: <laughs> I feel the good in <laughs> Oh, it's Beautiful. I, you. I love you. We would be honored <laughs> if you would join us. i got a really good feeling about
0: this. Hi and hello Star Wars fans and welcome to I Still Love Star Wars your weekly dose of star wars positivity before we dive into what you can expect to hear in this episode let's set the table with some facts and figures about this week's film star wars episode six return of the jedi was released on may 25, 1983 it was written by george lucas and lawrence kasdan and directed by richard marquand for a budget of 32.5 million dollars Its worldwide box office currently stands at over $475 million, according to Box Office Mojo. While many fans undoubtedly hoped for more Star Wars movies, for most, Return of the Jedi represented the end of the story. As a final chapter, Return of the Jedi skillfully wrapped up the arc of Luke Skywalker and tied together multiple storylines in a satisfying way, while still leaving the door open for a future of infinite possibilities, that would mostly be explored in the form of expanded universe novels and video games, and certainly if they would have been around back then, Star Wars podcasts. And speaking of podcasts, why don't we take a look at what we've got in store for today's episode of I Still Love Star Wars. Joining me for today's interview segment is pastor, former boss, current friend, and lover of Star Wars, Bo Bradbury. Bo shares his thoughtful and enthusiastic perspective on Star Wars as he and I discuss what we love about Return of the Jedi. In addition to my conversation with Bo, we'll have our weekly visit from the Star Wars Guide, a little bit of listener feedback, and a few more musical interludes to tie it all together. Speaking of music, let's get the show going with a song entitled, You Were Right. It's just over one minute of some of the most memorable lines from Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. But first, you're listening to I Still Love Star Wars.
2: <laughs> Luke's
1: a podcaster.
2: I'm out of it. For a little while,
1: everybody gets delusions of grandeur. He's holding a thermal detonator. Please
2: He's a toolbar. Oh, when 900 years old, you, Reach, look as good you are not. Someone must have told him about my little maneuver at the Battle of Tanag. I love
1: you. I know. It's a trap! Danny Barton has
2: died to bring us this information. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin, Skywalker. That name no longer has any meaning for me. He's more machine now than man. Twisted and evil. The oh, voice is strong in my family father had. I had. has i have my sister if you will not turn to the dark side then perhaps she
1: will break me down with all of your hatred and your journey towards the dark side will be complete you failed your highness i am a
2: jedi like my father before me
1: you were right about
2: me tell your sister
0: you're far and now it's time to hear from you, the I Still Love Star Wars listener community, in a little segment I like to call, Listener Feedback. Listener, 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 listener We start things off with future guest, writer, director, musician, and Star Wars uber-fan Todd Edwards, who shared what he loved about Return of the Jedi. Todd writes, The Jabba the Hutt sequence was so weird and mysterious, both the environment and what the heroes were up to, and it culminated into one of the greatest rescue scenes ever, a magnificent turn of events after the devastating low point of Empire's finale. I tell you what, those Edwards boys know how to give some great listener feedback. First, Corey shares his thoughts about Empire last week, and then Todd shows up with that gem this week. I'm one lucky podcaster to have those two on board. Keep listening for more from Todd and Corey in future episodes, as both have already recorded interviews. I can't wait for you all to hear what we got into. And finally, I want to switch gears for the final few minutes of this week's listener feedback segment to tell you about my buddy Jay and his family. For a while now, it's been a bit of a running joke that I'm such a big Star Wars fan and Jay has never even seen a single Star Wars movie. Well, being a supportive friend, Jay downloaded the first episode of the podcast and tried to figure out what in the world we were talking about. He said it was almost like listening to a foreign language. But instead of giving up, here's what Jay decided to do. He made plans with his wife and two young kids for a weekly family movie night where they'll watch each of the Star Wars movies, in order of release, so he can not only continue listening to the podcast and finally understand what we're talking about, but so he can spend quality time with his family and build lasting memories. How cool is that? I can't wait to hear how things go. Now the early returns on his family's viewing of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope are in, and here's what his kids had to say. His daughter loves Princess Leia, but was sad when Obi-Wan Kenobi died. I can't wait to hear how she reacts to getting to see him as a Force ghost in the next episode. Both his son and his daughter loved Chewbacca. I mean, what kid doesn't, right? And they both can't wait to watch the next movie. And I can't wait to hear their reactions, especially to Empire's big reveal. Overall, they were totally enthralled and loved all of the Star Wars action. I'm so excited to be able to follow their Star Wars journey, and I'm so appreciative to Jay for his friendship and his support. Well, there's no way to really top that, so that's going to be all for this week's listener feedback segment. Remember, if you'd like to submit your own listener feedback for possible inclusion in a future episode, you can just shoot me an email at thestarwarsguy1977 at gmail.com. Just tell me something you love about a certain Star Wars movie, and you just might hear your feedback in a future episode. Another way to have your thoughts appear on an episode of the podcast is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. As long as it's positive, I'll make sure it finds its way onto a future listener feedback segment. As always, thanks for listening, and thanks for the feedback. And now it's time for our weekly visit from the Star Wars guy. This time around, he's a little grossed out, and not by Jabba the Hutt.
1: Hey everybody, it's the Star Wars guy. Here are some thoughts on Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. So as we all know, one of the major spoilers in this movie was that Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia were really brother and sister. This had me totally confused, because they like kissed in both of the other movies. I mean, sure, the one in A New Hope was for luck, but in Empire Strikes Back, she was trying to make Han Solo jealous, and she totally kissed Luke Skywalker like they were boyfriend and girlfriend, not brother and sister. I bet anyone with a sister was totally grossed out when they found out these two were brother and sister. Still, it kind of did lead to Dark Vader becoming a good guy again, because when he found out that Luke Skywalker had a sister, and he's like, maybe she will turn to the dark side. And then Luke Skywalker was like crazy, insanely like mad at him, and he started like almost turning to the dark side himself. But then in the end, Dark Vader decided that he was going to go back to the light side, and he tells Luke Skywalker after he defeats the Emperor, and he's like dying on his last breath. He's like, tell your sister... You were right. And so he becomes a good guy again, and then he dies, and he comes back as a Force ghost. And, well, you've seen the movie, I would guess, if you're listening to this. But that's really all I've got to say about all of that. Well, now it's time for my favorite part of my segment, Ratings. On a scale of Bib Fortuna to the Emperor, I give Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, a Lando Calrissian. That's all for now. Until next time, it's the Star Wars guy saying, may the Force be with you.
0: Thank you for listening to I Still Love Star Wars. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. These are two great ways to help other people find the show and join the fun. If you'd like the opportunity to have your love of Star Wars included in a future episode, send what you love about this podcast, a specific Star Wars film, or just that galaxy far, far away in general to the Star Wars Guy 1977 at gmail.com. Remember, though, keep it positive and help this show spread the love as we celebrate Star Wars. All right. Well, it's time to get to our special guest here to talk all things Return of the Jedi. He is my former boss, my current friend. He is the pastor of Willow Ridge Church in Lexington, South Carolina. He's a husband and father of two, well, husband of one, father of two. And he is here to talk about Return of the Jedi. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big round of applause for Mr. Pastor Bo Bradbury.
2: Thank you, Mike. Man, it's it's, uh, exciting to be here. Uh, A little nervous. You know, I'm used to speaking to people every single week, uh, but this is definitely a first time for me. So uh, thanks for having me on, man.
0: We're glad to have you. And uh, there's nothing to worry about here. You're only speaking to potentially billions of people worldwide. Definitely. My mom is going to listen. So there's there's that as well. All right. Well, Miss Bradbury, it's great to hear. Uh, It's great to see you out there in podcast listener land. So welcome to the show, Mrs. Bradbury. All right. Before we get to the movie, I want to give Bo a chance to talk a little bit about what Star Wars means to him in a little segment we're going to call Bradbury, A Star Wars Story.
2: That is fantastic, by the way. I love that name. Um, So Star Wars has always been uh, an important part of my life, a big part of my life. So I called my mom yesterday just to verify the details of this story. But uh, my mom was a school teacher. And every summer, we didn't have a lot of money. And she wanted to get me out of the house. She wanted to do some stuff that she could enjoy. And right down the road from our home was a dollar movie theater. Her plan once a week was to load me up. I was about two years old at the time. And we would go to the movie and she said it never failed before the movie started. I was always asleep. And so she'd heard about this movie called Empire Strikes Back. And so she decided, "Oh, I'm going to take Bo to it. So she loads me up thinking I'm going to fall asleep. And she said that I sat there the entire time on her knee watching every moment of this movie. And then um, several years back. So my kids are 12. We've got twins, Emma and Grayson, maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, We took our kids to see Phantom Menace at the movie theater, and both of my kids were just locked into watching Phantom Menace. So from that point of moving forward, so much of what Star Wars has become has really been a a lot of times that my wife and myself and my kids get together and watch these movies, have conversations about these movies. This past year kind of capped a special part for us where when The Mandalorian came out, once a week we would sit down, have a meal together as a family, and watch The Mandalorian together. And so uh, for me, Star Wars has just been the embodiment of of, of my, my family coming together, doing things together, having something that we can like together. Um, yeah, Star Wars is just an important part of, of who we are, what we do. And, and it's largely just a bonding experience for the two of us or for the four of us.
0: That is awesome to hear. Star Wars and family go hand in hand. It's certainly a big part of my Star Wars story. And of course... The Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga is all about family as we've learned throughout all of these films. So thank you for sharing that, Bo. Now it is time for us to talk all things Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Bo, what's the first thing that you want to share that you love
2: about Return of the Jedi? All right. Well, I think for the first part that I'll just kind of go to is this: every single aspect of everything that is going on in Jabba's palace. <laughs> you know, from from the very beginning, as as the setting, as you watch uh, C three PO and R two D two approach the palace and what's there, just the the thought premise behind that. There's this underground, almost mafia-styled world that's there that's that's really kind of uh, free and independent from the Republic when the gates open and you see all of the different characters, uh, which aren't like anything else at that point in time in the Star Wars series that you've seen anywhere else even in the the sketchiness of the room. Like as you go through and, uh, you know, there's these different times where you can tell you're you're in a spot that's not quite uh, supposed to be normal, but there when you're in Jabba's Palace, like just the feeling that you get of the crime and the sketchiness of what's there and is just embodied. Uh, fully about uh, what he looks like, how he speaks, how he controls, even from from like the slave aspect that you see of, of It was just I could watch that segment of that movie over and over and over again.
0: Absolutely. In fact, th- at the top of my list was to talk about literally all aspects of Jabba's Palace. Jabba's Palace was kind of the the tip of the hat and then taking it to the next level of the cantina. But you've got the Gamorrean guards. You've got Twileks, both the the slave Ula, the slave, and Bib Fortuna, who uh, greets everybody at the door. Uh, you've got the Riyis, You've got the Max Rebo band. You've got Squid Face, Salacious Crumb. You see off in the corner. You see Lando Calrissian in his little disguise. Uh, you see Boba Fett is back. You know, and you're you're you know, but you know Boba Fett delivered Han Solo to to Jabba, but but he's back in this movie, and so he's kind of just this this kind of nefarious thing in the background. So that entire scene, any, anything happening in Jabba's palace, uh, my mind was blown. Thank you for bringing that up. That was another one notched off my list. So we, uh, we both have four to go and now it's going to go back to me. So I'm going to share something that I have on my list, the character of Luke Skywalker and his development. And it actually starts in this Jabba's palace scene and then continues throughout the whole movie. To me, Luke Skywalker kind of starts as this whiny character. But
1: I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters.
0: Don't get me wrong. I loved him when I was a kid watching, watching the movie for the first probably 50 to 100 times that I watched it. But I, I said in a previous episode, Han Solo was the cool character to me. He was the one that I loved. He was the one that I wanted to dress up as for Halloween. But Luke Skywalker, he finishes The Empire Strikes Back defeated. With this weight on his shoulders that, oh my goodness, Darth Vader just told me he's my father. That can't possibly be true. Obi-Wan told me he killed my father. My best friend in the whole world has been taken away by this gangster. My hand just got cut off like he's in a bad spot. Well, obviously sometime between that movie and this movie, Luke Skywalker does some growing because when he starts this movie, he's a bad dude. He walks right into Jabba's palace. He takes care of those Gamorrean guards. He takes Bib Fortuna, who, when Luke Skywalker shows up in the hologram and says he's a Jedi Knight, Bib Fortuna says he's no Jedi. But later, when Luke says, you need to take me to, to Jabba, and he takes him to Jabba, and he introduces Jabba to him, he introduces him as,
1: Pace Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. When Jabba
0: sentences him to death, he says,
1: You should have bargained. Yard's on This is the last mistake you'll ever make.
0: He's just ultimately super confident.
1: Victims of the almighty Sarlacc, His Excellency hopes that you will die honorably. But should any of you wish to beg for mercy, the great Jabba the Hutt will now listen to your plea. Prepeal! You tell that slimy piece of worm ridden filth to get no such pleasure from us! Right? Ooh. Java, this is your last chance. Free us or die. The last mistake you'll ever make. <laughs>
0: But then we see after everything goes down at Jabba's and he's off to Dagobah, now his heart is just breaking as he sees his Jedi Master dying before him and he's so confused and not ready to deal with Yoda's death. Master
1: Yoda, you can't die. Uh, Strong am I with the Force, but not that strong.
0: He thinks he's going to Yoda to complete his training and now he's just showing up and Yoda drops this bomb on him that, there's another Skywalker that, yes, Darth Vader is your father. Your father is. And all of a sudden, the super confident Luke Skywalker seems shattered and, and shaken again. He doesn't think he can do it. Now he's face to face with Vader. He tries to basically use that confidence to tell Vader how it's going to be. And of course, Vader's much more powerful in the Force than Luke. So he isn't going to be told. And Luke's kind of like, oh, great. Well, that didn't work. Now what? Luke is just trying so hard to be confident. He's taking on Darth Vader and all his rage is coming out and he he actually goes as far as cutting off his own father's hand. And then he kind of gets a glimpse of himself and his father. And he stops right at the precipice of falling to the dark side. And once and for all, he makes that stand and he tells the Emperor.
1: You failed your highness. I am a Jedi like my father before
0: me. Ultimately, Anakin makes that decision, saves his son, defeats the emperor, sacrifices himself, and Luke is there now as a compassionate child to a father, the forgiveness that's there. I mean, just the growth of that character. He goes from this whiny farm boy to having the power to defeat the mind games of the most powerful evil in the universe, rescues his father, offers forgiveness, restoration of that relationship that he never even had in the first place. The character development of Luke Skywalker is one of the things that I absolutely love about Return of the Jedi. What do you have to say about that book?
2: Yeah, for me, and this was actually one of the ones that I was going to talk about as well, um, so a theme for me throughout all of them is redemption. And I won't talk about three different characters. So we see the redemptive value come out of them, but, but that was that for Luke. And for me, the really big piece as I watched back through the movie was the, was the conversation that happens with Luke and Yoda. It's funny, you know, you say the confidence that's there in Jabba's palace. Like I'm looking at it as I'm watching it through and what came across for me was not confidence, but cockiness. Um, right. and even maybe some some mis, some misguided cockiness. Sure, I see and that. And so so he he goes he goes and he does that, and then he shows up there with Yoda, and he's like, "So I'm a Jedi, right?" And Yoda's like, "Not yet. One thing remains, Vader. You must confront Vader." And you can see it kind of sink down in in within Luke that I'm not who I thought I was. And, right. and you begin to see the maturity that's coming out there in him where, where Yoda is in his last words as, he, as he's sharing this insight with him of, of how he wasn't ready to leave the time before, how we needed to finish his training, how he's having to wrestle with the things that he's wrestling with now because Luke went on his own and, and not what Yoda had for him. And so you see for me that that light switch begin to go off in him now of this is what it means. And and I almost look at if if Luke's interaction with Vader had have been right after the Jabba's palace scene, you know, he, he probably goes to the dark side because there's not that character development within him to see to be to listen. And then coming out after after Yoda's passing and he has the conversation with Obi-Wan and Luke says, you know, he's like, I can't kill my own father. then the Emperor has already won. I don't know, you just see that, that growth, you see that maturity, you see that development come out of Luke, even for enough so that when, when he's there with Han and, and Chewie and Leia, and they're, they're flying in the Imperial Cruiser, heading to Endor, and Luke feels Vader, and Luke says, which is mm-hmm. true, my presence here has put this mission in jeopardy. You know, Luke's beginning to see and understand and take ownership of if you want to be a Jedi, it's not just about being able to lift your fighter out of the out of the swamp. It's not just about choking out guards. It's not about uh, being good with a lightsaber, that there's this greater good. And he's seen Obi-Wan do what Obi-Wan's done for for the greater good.
0: Where did I hear that for? It's not about lifting rocks.
2: That that was actually one of
0: my favorite things later in the sequel trilogy.
2: And so I, in that conversation, it just struck me how how much I felt like Luke uh, matured and evolved and changed and began to understand, like, no, 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 being a Jedi isn't just about being a fierce warrior, right? I mean, he started off, he wanted to be a pilot, and then he wanted to become a Jedi. And now it's become this this control thing of being concerned for others and, and not giving in to the things that you want and the way that you have it and so for me that redemptive story of luke skywalker who is heading down maybe a path of destruction right and then the conversation with yoda followed by the conversation with obi-wan and and for me that's where you see the redemptive nature of star wars come out
0: all right Bob, what's the next thing that you want to share that you love about return of the jedi
2: so people might get upset with me about this, but C-3PO's character has just always kind of rubbed me raw, right? And I think that was intentional. Is I think he got on everybody's nerves. Like, my favorite's Han Solo, right. and he obviously frustrated Han Solo.
0: Saying that C-3PO is annoying is not a criticism of Star Wars. It's an, an observation that every single character in the Star Wars universe would agree with, including R2-D2. Okay, okay. so continue.
2: Right. So and I don't know why I've never noticed this before, the comedy, because it becomes very clear that everyone is in on the mission except for C-3PO.
1: As a token of my goodwill, I present to you a gift. These two droids. What did he say? Both are hardworking and will serve you well. This can't be, Otto! you're playing the wrong message everybody
2: there and so i've never noticed that in the in the hundreds of times that i've watched this movie i've never noticed it and so as i'm sitting here watching it this past week and i'm like he's clueless he everyone there and r2 even on the journey there's like i'm not telling him I'm going to let him think we've come here to die. Like I'm going to let him think that we're going to be slaves for the rest of our life. And so for me, that just warmed my heart. It made me laugh as the dynamic of what's going on. And so uh, that was just one of the small instances of, of what I loved in the detail of the writing of the story uh, that was there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Your point, it really is true. Everybody is in on the mission except for C-3PO and you know, C3PO is an annoying character because he's written to be an annoying character. <laughs> I feel like this movie was very successful in the humor that it was adding. Um, when Han Solo calls Jabba the Hutt,
1: that slimy piece of worm ridden
0: filth, that made me laugh. When Han tells Chewie to fly casual, you know, like the back and forth between Han and Chewie is always. Uh, priceless for me. So the humor in this movie, and and I think especially C-3PO, I'm right there with you, Bo. All right. So my last two are probably going to go together a little bit. The next one I want to talk about. So much happens from the time Luke and Yoda are together for the first time in Return of the Jedi until Obi-Wan shares what he shares with Luke. So much happens in that short time That really, when you think about the overall Star Wars saga, so much changes in that moment. Like, we find out there's another Skywalker. We have confirmation. Because I I can remember, when I saw Empire Strikes Back as a kid, Darth Vader was lying. There was no way he was Luke Skywalker's father. He's lying. I was convinced of it. And now, (laughs) we get it confirmed. And then we find out that Princess Leia's Luke's sister, like... Holy cow, my head is is spinning with all of this information. And it all happens in that one scene on Dagobah. And it's it's something that I absolutely love about this movie. Without those scenes, so much of the Star Wars saga is completely different. Could you imagine going to the bathroom right at that moment and, and coming back and, oh, what did I miss? <laughs> and the person you're sitting with us, let's see. Um, we confirmed that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Uh, Oh, Yoda died. Oh, and then we find out that the sister he's got a sister and it's Princess Leia. But that's all you missed. That's that's all. Other than that, you didn't miss a thing. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, and, and here's one of the things that that I just love about all of these movies. Each film has the continuation of the story as you're expecting it and the continuation of these characters. And we just love it. And then there's these moments where we're like, wait a minute. I thought this, but now you're telling me that. And as we go from episode to episode, personally, I love those moments where my expectations are subverted. Like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. It makes me feel like I can't wait to to see or hear what's next. So, all right, Bo, what's the next thing that you want to share that you love about Return of the Jedi?
2: So I'm going to jump to the very next scene after the Dagobah system. So they're, uh, the I don't know, the war room, and they're, they're getting ready to talk about the attack and, and what will take place. And it's the conversation that happens between Lando and Han. Well, look at you, a general, huh? Someone must have told him about my little maneuver at the Battle of Tenev. Well, don't look at me, pal. I just said you were a fair pilot. I didn't know they were looking for somebody to lead this crazy attack. I'm surprised they didn't ask you to do it. Well, who says they didn't, but I ain't crazy. You're the respectable one, remember? And you know, Mm -hmm. kind of again in the theme of redemption, I'm sure well before this conversation, these two guys have had to work out some details, right? Um, you know, uh, Lando, it, it, even though you, you kind of understand at the end of Empire Strikes Back why he did what he did, like he's not on everybody's uh, good list uh, coming into Return of the Jedi, you know? But you see him from the very beginning. Lando's the first boots on the ground to somehow infiltrate Jabba's uh, crime syndicate of, of what's going on there, right? So Lando is in. He's willing to be a part of this. Okay, so there's some Value that, that's there. Then you you take place in this war room and, and Han greets him and he's like, ah, oh, Lando's a general now. Before Lando is this uh uh, this gambling playboy that we've come to see. And, and now he's a general, he's established, there's maturity that's in him and he's going to lead this. And I thought, you know, that's so beautiful in the redemptive storytelling of, of Star Wars, that someone who had done these things that they're bringing back into the fold, which also bridges forward to the maturity of Han. Right. And now Han is Willing to forgive, Han's not the quick temper. And what we find out is that he's also General Solo and he's gonna be leading into the charge on Endor. General Solo, is your strike team assembled? Uh, My team's ready. I don't have a command crew for the shuttle. That's gonna be rough, pal, I didn't wanna speak for you. That's one.
0: General, count me in.
2: I'm with you too. Was this the first time ever that Han hasn't spoken for everybody in the room? And so you just see in that scene the, the growth, the maturity of these two individuals who who have a rocky past that we can see from some of the other movies of what's gone back and forth between the two of them. And then culminates as they're getting ready to, to start this, this battle that's going to take place, right? Look, I want you to take her. I mean it. Take her. You need all the help you can get. She's the fastest ship in the fleet. All right, old buddy. No, I know what she means. I'll take good care of her. She, she won't get a scratch. All right. Right. I got your promise. Not a scratch. <laughs> Would you get going, you pirate? And just that whole dynamic of what's there between the two of them. And so mm-hmm. uh, I love that part of the story. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it wasn't on my list, but that that scene was one that I I definitely, as I was jotting notes down, uh, took notice of. And yeah, I love it. All right. Well, we're back to me. And next up for me is on now we're on the forest moon of Endor and uh, we have the speeder bike chase from the groundbreaking way it was shot to just the action inside the sequence. First of all, you see the these new-looking stormtroopers that are biker scouts or scout troopers. Though that design of that character was super cool, something we hadn't seen up to that point. They hop on these cool speeders.
1: Over there, tomorrow. I see them, wait, Leia.
0: It was like a motorcycle, but it was like a floating motorcycle. And I'm sorry, Luke. And Leia are jumping from speeder bike to speeder bike. They're pushing people off. They're flying through trees. They're shooting at one another. Finally, Leia gets thrown off, and you're like, oh, no, what's going to happen to her? And then Luke, he gets thrown off, but ends up deflecting all of the laser blasts and chopping the speeder bike with his lightsaber, I mean... (laughs) To me, the adrenaline rush of that entire scene, for its time, there was absolutely nothing like that speeder bike chase. And that's why it's one of the five things I most love about this movie.
2: Yeah. To, to piggyback on that. Um, so it was both my favorite toy growing up that I had. And I don't know if you had that toy Mike or not, but it was cool. Cause you could throw it against the wall and it would break into pieces. And yes. You could uh, them back together. And so it was my favorite. Those stormtroopers, the scout troopers were my favorite, uh, uh, Troopers throughout all of the Star Wars. Um, But my parents, when I was in second grade, got me a little Honda 50 motorcycle, a little dirt bike. And we would go and ride that thing through the woods. And every single time, that's what you're doing, man. You're just there and you're hitting that throttle and you're going, you know, probably tops 20 miles an hour on this thing. But it seemed like I was going 100 miles an hour. So could definitely get lost back in my childhood. Every single time I see an Imperial Speeder.
0: So cool. So cool. All right, Bo. So we're up to your last thing that you love about uh, Return of the Jedi. What do you got for us?
2: All right. So um, keeping on with the theme of redemption, I want to talk about the redemption redemption of Darth Vader. Earlier on, um, what appears to be this uh, weakness in Vader, that he just does whatever the Emperor tells him to. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master and he's not going to fight for him and he's even going to turn his back on his on his own family. And I remember growing up just just hating Darth Vader, hating everything about Darth Vader. He was the the wicked of the wicked. And then as I got older and and I'm watching these movies now and and, and now I'm a dad with kids and there's the there's that there's that part of your heart that that's just not understanding what is happening and what is taking place. So you jump forward and, and now it's the Luke and, and Vader fight scene. And uh, one of the greatest lightsaber battles that you're going to see in any of the star Wars movies, and they're going back and forth and they're going back and forth. And in that moment it's kind of ringing out in your ear where, where Luke had said before, I can't kill my father. And he's beating Vader down and he cuts off his hand. Right. And Luke turns his back on the emperor. And so Vader just expecting nothing but evil within him and his step forward of what he does, no. No. and in doing so. The the bigger story, I think for most people when they watch it the first time, it's like, okay, Vader saved uh, the rebellion. No, Vader saved Luke. Um, Vader saved his son. Like every bad thing that the man has ever done now is just redeemed in this one action. And then... For all that we've ever known at the time, right, from, from from New Hope to Empire Strikes Back is this big, you know, it got to be seven foot tall, 400 pounds with all of his equipment on Darth Vader. And, and he says to Luke, Luke, help me take this mask off. Let me see you with my own eyes you know, when you, look at, when you look at Return of the Jedi, you mentioned earlier, Mike, you know, you've got this younger audience. And so they bring in things like the comedy. They bring in things like the Ewoks, right? To kind of play to that younger crowd. But the heaviness in that moment of this dad is going to die. He's just saved his son. They come from the most dysfunctional of all families. And in that moment, it's like Everyone who ever had any issue with Vader, all of that was just wiped clean. To me, it's just the beautiful picture, again, of redemption of what Star Wars is, is showing. No one's too far gone. There's always still hope. When you use the word hope, obviously, uh,
0: I think especially in the last several years as new films have been made, one of the things that the, the new creators of these recent films have latched onto is that idea of hope. And hope is woven through all of these stories. And I love that because hope, if we don't have hope that things could be better, then what do we have when a film like this is weaving hope throughout the story? It's just, it's an amazing and it's a powerful thing. And I'm glad, I'm glad you pointed that out. And, and just another little thought about the humor of this movie. We talked about how the humor is so present in this film. If you really look at it, it, it grabs the attention of those younger viewers, maybe with some of that humor. And it stays funny throughout the first half, and then there are little bits and pieces sprinkled in. But the final third of this movie is intense, and there's so much going on. And and to me, I love the space battle. It's a trap! I love the Endor stuff. <laughs> But to me, I wish I could just kind of just splice away all of that stuff and just have a cut of this film where it's just that scene uncut and, and as much as you could add to it um, because that entire, and that's actually going to be my last point. So I'll just kind of take yours piggyback and make my final point. It's that last battle in the throne room and specifically the emperor's presence We see the Emperor for the first time in the flesh. And let me just tell you, as much as I was scared of Darth Vader as a kid, this character terrified me because Darth Vader, there was something cool about him in how scary he was. Like he would do really cool things and he was still scary. The Emperor was just what I pictured like the devil being, like he was evil.
1: Take your weapon. Break me down with all of your hatred and your journey towards the dark side will be complete.
0: He, sh- I mean, lightning? This guy shoots lightning from his fingertips? Wait a minute. He's reading Luke Skywalker's mind. The Emperor's role in this final battle, um, he's, ob- he's obviously pulling the strings.
1: Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design.
0: It's clear to me that if Luke is willing to turn, he'll get rid of
1: Vader. Fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side.
0: Vader says in Empire Strikes Back, Join me and together we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. Like in a sense, it's he's saying, We'll like he actually says, We'll defeat the Emperor, we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. The Emperor is telling Luke, he's like, you know, take your father's place at my side. Like He's shameless. He's, he's just in it for himself. He is using everyone as a pawn, and he thinks he's got everything under control. My favorite exchange between Luke and the Emperor in in the lead-up to the final scene, this is a little bit earlier, the Emperor is basically telling Luke how it's going to be, and Luke says, Your overconfidence is your weakness. And the Emperor just as quickly comes back with,
1: Your faith in your friends is yours.
0: It's as if he's saying, Oh, you think you got something to tell me? Well, you know what? This is what I got to tell you. I'm. You think you're one step ahead of me? I'm ahead of you at all times, in all areas. And he was, right up until the end. And in the end, Luke's rage is coming out, and he's going to strike Darth Vader down. And it's almost as if he would have if the Emperor wouldn't have come up with this cackle. Good. And so Luke has a moment to think, and he realizes, no, this I, I, I'm not doing this. You you've failed. I'm a Jedi like my father, as I said before. So be it, Jedi. The scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. This guy's shooting lightning from his fingertips. And to this day, I feel like that scene holds up under any of the heaviest scrutiny. The acting in that scene from everyone involved, even the special effects, the emphasis is on the story. And and I just loved it. All right, well, that wraps up our discussion of Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Bo, I thank you for joining us for this conversation. It's always great to talk Star Wars with friends, and so I'm so glad you're here with us today. We do have one more thing to get to. For those of you who don't know, the Hyperspace Round is a series of questions that I'm going to pose to our guest today, Bo Bradbury. He's going to have 30 seconds to answer as many questions as he can. All right. So 30 seconds are on the clock, and here we go. Jedi or Sith? Jedi. Correct. Original trilogy, prequel trilogy, or sequel trilogy?
2: Original. Correct.
0: What color would your lightsaber be?
2: Green. Incorrect.
0: Blue. Favorite mm. ship or vehicle from Star Wars? Uh, the
2: Imperial Speeder. Incorrect. Millennium Falcon.
0: Who's cuter? Wicket, the Porgs, or Babu Freak?
2: Oh, Wicket. Correct.
0: Who's your favorite character? On solo. Incorrect. It's Jar Jar Binks. Oh, we didn't get to the end unfortunately we did not get to the end i'm not sure i wasn't keeping track of how many you got correct you said
2: i think i I only got four right i think i only got four
0: all right well great job on that i'm so thankful for you again for uh, sharing what you love about return of the jedi and also for participating the hyperspace round you did a great job uh before we go bo is there anything you want to say to the listener as as we leave here today anything you want to plug or
2: absolutely so I just want to say this, Mike, um, thank you for doing this in in the time of world in which we live with everything that's going on. Um, uh, thank you for doing something that allows us to uh, uh, just have a easy, fun conversation about the things that, that we enjoy that bring uh, happiness and goodness into our life. And so just thank you for taking the time and energy and effort to, to put this together, man. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. It is certainly a labor of love. And uh, we're we're all about keeping things positive. And like I said, Star Wars is about hope. And I want if I'm going to create something, I'm going to create something that is positive, that is hopeful. And uh, that's why people like you are included in it. So thank you for saying that, and thank you for joining us today.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, that's it for now. I'll be right back to wrap things up.
2: I am
1: C-3PO, human cyborg relations. We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. What makes you think there are settlements over there? Don't get technical with me. Excuse me, sir. That R2 unit is in prime condition. A real bargain. How would you know the hyperdrive is deactivated? r 2 you know better than to trust a strange computer? I don't think they're going to let us in, r You're playing the wrong message. I've just about had enough of you. And don't let me catch you following me, begging for help, because you won't get it. Well, that was my ode
0: to C-3PO and R2-D2's greatest original trilogy moments. I call it The Odd Couple. During the interview segment, you heard a song entitled Jabba's Last Mistake, which pretty much speaks for itself. I'd like to thank Bo Bradbury for dropping by to break down Return of the Jedi with me. I really enjoyed hearing his thoughts on the film, its characters, and Star Wars in general. And I could listen to that sweet Southern drawl for hours. Also, don't forget, you can support I Still Love Star Wars by helping me spread the word and especially by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. I'd love to know what you think about the show. As always, you can share your thoughts about the show or Star Wars in general in the form of listener feedback by sending an email to the Star Wars Guy 1977 at gmail.com. Well, next week, I'll be joined by the Luke Skywalker to my Anakin, the Ben Solo to my Han, the Boba Fett to my Jango, minus the cloning part. Landon Hornacek will be my special guest as we move into the prequel era and break down the Phantom Menace. Until then, remember.